It's time with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. who saw that one coming not this guy um seriously the most points we'll get into it here in a second but an absolute shocker from last night let's get started need to know news time here's your need to know news that's right your chicago bears shocked the football world last night they snapped their three-game losing streak they dunk on the patriots in their house 33 to 14 you serious? Bears with four turnovers helped them pick up the W last night. Justin Fields, just good enough. 13 for 21, 179 yards passing, one touchdown, one INT. That goes with his 14 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown. It is the most points the Bears have put up all season. Bears are going to head to Dallas, and uh, they will face them Cowboys. We'll see. That's uh, that's another interesting spot for them. I'm just I'm blown away by what that game turned out to be last night. If they would have eked out a win, I would have been like, "Hey, all right, that's something." But did you see that coming? Thirty-three to fourteen in New England. I sure as heck didn't. Uh, it's going to get a little bit tougher for uh, Justin Fields next week. The Dallas Cowboys do lead the league in sacks. And uh, they just had their bye week, too. So uh, two weeks ago, I think, right? Didn't they have their bye week like two weeks ago? Yeah, that Dallas defense is pretty darn good. It's fourth in yards allowed per game with 185. So uh, much tougher sledding this upcoming week. I guess they haven't had their bye yet. But yeah, uh, that's going to be tough for the Bears. But hey, that's a great momentum builder. And has Dallas even given up 30-plus points to anybody this year? The most points anybody scored against them was the Eagles with 26. But if you take out that Eagles game, the most points scored against them was 17 by the Bengals. 17, 16, 10, 10, 6. I guess they gave up 19 points to the Buccaneers. I missed that loss. My fault. Still, pretty darn good defense there for uh, Dallas. That'll be a uh, tough trip for the Bears. All right, did the did we saw this video yesterday? Were there officials that asked Mike Evans for his autograph after the game on Sunday against Carolina? That's what the video looks like posted online yesterday. But the NFL says that's investigated this and said that officials, in fact, did not ask for an autograph from Mike Evans. They were also reprimanded and reminded to avoid the appearance of any impropriety. However, when asked what Mike Evans was doing, 
The NFL won't say. They just said it wasn't an autograph. This is weird. It's not an autograph. Why can't you tell us? You haven't seen the video? See officials trying to get Mike's uh, attention? Finally hands him a piece of paper and a pen. He writes something real quick and goes out of frame. Now, there, Tom Pelissandro is, is peddling this, and Mike Evans kind of backed this story up. That what was going on there was that Evans was giving that official his phone number. They both went to Texas Tech. And apparently the official in question was getting Evans in contact with a golf pro so that he could get lessons. I've seen his golf swing. He needs them. I don't know. If that's all this was, why won't the NFL say that, though? That's the question here. That's what everybody's starting to wonder about. Also, if you watch the video, doesn't look like he's taking time to write out 10 digits on whatever piece of paper he's got. Conversely, if he is signing something, if you ask for an autograph, I don't think you're asking for an autograph on a piece of paper anymore. You want something signed specifically. So I, this is just dumbing up an excuse to be true, isn't it? It's weird either way. The video didn't look good. Uh, Pacers followed the 76ers last night, 120-106. to On the road, Halliburton had 19. Math- uh, Matherin had 17 off of the bench. Uh, they're off to a 1-3 start. They're going to take on the Chicago Bulls tomorrow. And speaking of those Bulls, almost identical result, 120-102 to the final. And their game against the Celtics, but uh, the Bulls get the dub. DeRozan with 25, Dosumu with 22. Big Vooch, man, 18 points, 23 rebounds. My goodness, he is on fire, averaging 13 per game right now. Purdue men's golf fourth at the Islesworth Collegiate, looking to turn in its last round. They just got a couple holds left. They are five behind Illinois for third place, who's ranked ninth, by the way. They're three strokes clear of fifth place UNC. So can they make it to fourth? That seems to be asking a lot. Now, Herman Seckney still kind of has a chance to get there. Uh, he's low boiler at uh, seven under. That's three strokes off the lead uh, with three holes left to play. When I last checked it here uh, like 10 minutes ago. Uh, so he may have he may have gotten a little bit closer. But it looked like Purdue, for all intents and purposes, was just going to get locked into uh, that uh, that fourth spot right there. Uh, they still haven't turned. They're on 15 through 18. Everybody behind them has turned something in. Illinois moved to seven under to finish. So uh, it would be asking a lot today to get in front of Illinois. The Illini went 10 under for the day. The best round out of anybody by far. Purdue's one over so far for today. Um, but yeah, six shots behind seems like a lot. Uh, let's check in on uh, Mr. Uh, Seckney, who's uh, at seven under still through 15, exactly where I left him, two over uh, for the round. He could get to third place if he gets another stroke under. Um, second is at nine under, and 10th is in the clubhouse at 10 under. So uh, pretty darn, darn good showing. If you're wondering where Islesworth is, by the way, uh, that is down in uh, Windermere. Florida. Uh, other teams that were playing in this thing, it's not a bad field here. Third-ranked Auburn, 11th-ranked Florida, 9th-ranked Illinois. 
Purdue at 42, LSU at 28 behind them, North Florida at 31 behind them, and Arizona at 24, uh, all behind the Boilermakers. All right, that is uh, your need-to-know news for today. All right, time to get into some best bets for this evening. Uh, yesterday, maybe we've kind of regressed the mean just slightly with hockey. We come up a, a couple of shots short. I, I do not understand how that worked last night for us. Uh, we took Connor McDavid, a tremendous player, one of the best in the league, if not the best uh, in the league, to get over a number that he has basically done the entire season thus far. And he comes up a couple of shots short. Uh, the Oilers had 47 shots on goal. 47. He only had two. Killing me, buddy. So, yeah, we came up a little short on that one. That stinks. Um, we did not get our Bears team under either. Uh, so that put us at 0-2. Uh, what uh, saved us here from being a disaster of the night, the very smart move of taking the Mac Jones under attempts. Uh, that was an absolute no-sweater Last night after he got... I told you that could happen. I told you teams weren't putting up that many on the Bears to begin with. And that there was that chance of him coming off the injury that he got out earlier. They just outright pull him for something. That's exactly what happened last night. So yeah, I feel pretty good uh, about that one. Uh, Let's get into what to do tonight. Look, you know, I like sticking with these hockey plays. All right, I got... Here's my my pick for you tonight. Shane Gossespierre. For the Arizona Coyotes, taking on the Blue Jacks, he's at plus money, plus 110. Over two and a half shots, he's done that in four out of five games, and uh, with relative ease, it looks like. He's gone four, four, five, five, and then one shot. That's it. Going to take it on Columbus, who allows the uh, fourth most shots in the league. Yeah, I I like that. Um Blackhawks tonight hosting the Panthers. They're a, they're a two to one dog here, essentially, uh, against a very hot Florida Panthers team. I do not advise you, uh, to take the Chicago Blackhawks at all. Three and two right now in the Central is a lot better than I thought they would be at this point. So I'm a little bit shocked. Seven of the Blackhawks' last eight home games have gone the over the total line here tonight. And that's at six and a half. Oh, boy. Florida's very good, though. Florida's pretty good. 16th in goals allowed, but they've got the talent. They uh, Six most goals, or six most shots per game here, too. Uh, Blackhawks are you know mediocre defense at that. They don't put up a lot of shots, either. They're 30th in the league in shots. Hard to score goals when you don't put shots on the net. But they've been a little surprising thus far. They might still have a little bit of magic in those uh, skates. So uh, before I go back to fading the Blackhawks every game, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on that. I'm not uh, I'm not opposed to you if you're looking for some fun local stuff. I'm not opposed to you getting in on some more Jaden Ivey scoring props. They usually put him at about 15. He's at 15 and a half tonight as uh, they take on the Wizards. And you can get even money on that prop there, too. That's not too bad uh, against D.C. If you want to get in on Jaden Ivey tonight, Wizard Art, eighth in the league in points against at 108. 
I just like I like Jaden. I'm I'm looking for the action that you guys have here tonight. It's relatively quiet for you. Said uh, the Pacers and the Bulls aren't playing tonight. I said you do get the Blackhawks, but I just don't like that matchup. Um, but you can get in early on your World Series bets as well. That doesn't start up until Friday. So uh, there you go. That's the action tonight. The official one is Gosta Spare over two and a half shots on goal. You can get with that. And um, I'll go ahead just because we. Oh, I need another pick here, right? Let's go ahead and take that over six and a half in Florida and Chicago. Okay, those are the plays tonight. Please play responsibly. Hang tight, Terry Peebles, Harrison Raiders. He'll join us next here. Talk about how they spent their off week and uh, as they continue to prepare for the Plainfield Quakers in their first round matchup in the sectional. Stick around. He's coming up next. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017 The Hammer. Welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. We're going to pop on over to our Blue Fox Heating, Cooling, Hammerhead Hotline. Coach Terry Peebles, the Harrison Raiders, on with us here. Our featured matchup on Friday night here. Uh, it's the uh, Raiders taking on the Quakers in uh, round one of their sectional. Coach, uh, bye week is over. Uh, how, how was your bye week? How did you guys uh, spend that? Well, we used it to try and get healthy. And, you know, I think we did that, the bumps and bruises. Uh, kind of went away, but unfortunately, we got a little bit of flu and cold season going through right now. So we've we've got you know between fifteen and twenty guys that have been out of school the last two days. Uh, so we're, we're going to have a significant number of players that uh, that miss some practice time this week. But hopefully, we can get them healthy for the weekend. Yeah, pump them full of vitamin C. Let's start drinking that OJ boys and uh, hydrate, and uh, hopefully that solves our problems as we go on here. Uh, but it's nice to hear that some of you guys starting to get a little bit healthy. You know, flu is the flu. Uh, it's what you got to do. But, I mean, I know that that hinders your uh, prep time here. But the nice thing is at least uh, your opponent this week, playing field, you have a little bit of uh, history there. You've prepared for them once. So i, I got to think it makes it slightly easier. I, I, I don't know. I know that there. you told me last week, this is a, a different Quakers team than you saw back in week two, isn't it? Yeah, no question. I mean, we, we've... You know, we we spent three weeks on them this year. We spent week two on them. We spent our bye week, and then we're, we're going to spend the rest of this week on them as well. Uh, so we, we're very familiar with them, um, but the, they've they've become a lot better team since since we saw them at the beginning of the year. They, you know, their record's not really what they want at four and five, but every team they've lost to uh, is either a eight and one team or a seven and two team. And then, you know, last game of the season, uh, they beat a I, I think. At the time, Martinsville was six and two, and, and they beat him in the last game there. So they're, they're riding high with a lot of confidence. Um, you know, it doesn't look like the injury bugs got to them. It looks like they're too deep is pretty much the same as what it was in the second week of the season. And uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a very difficult game for us. We know that. And mid-state conferences, uh, low-key, pretty darn tough. There's a lot of great uh, football teams in that thing. We're talking with uh, Terry Peebles here from the uh, Harrison Raiders. Have you taken some time yet here, maybe during the bye, and kind of kind of seen where you guys started at, where you're at Lucas Oil versus to where you're at right now, and seen the growth in, in a lot of players and in, in the team as a whole? Uh, have you taken some time to kind of reflect on that, and, and what are some of the things that stand out to you that's changed with you guys from week one at Lucas Oil against Westside to where you're at right now? Well, we've changed quite a bit. You know, we, we've lost from the from the week two game against Plainfield to this time playing Plainfield. Uh, we have five different starters at, at different positions out of 22. So, 
you know, that, that's almost 25% of our, our team there is, is it wasn't starting at the position they are now in, in week two. Uh, so it, it's been a little bit of a, you know, kind of a puzzle putting it together throughout the course of the year. But uh, as, as we ended the year, I feel like we were getting stronger. I feel like, you know, our special teams and our offense are more in rhythm and uh, our defense, you know, for the most part has played really good all year long. So hopefully that continues here into the playoffs. I just love the running game and how uh, great it's gotten. I mean, uh, it seemed like every week I talked to you, it's wow. I'm I'm getting wowed by Ben Henderson, but um, you know, a couple of guys I thought had really started to come on. Guys like uh, Card McDonald, I, I thought really had come on in the back half of the uh, season for you guys and gotten a little bit more attention and gotten the ball a little bit more. Um, it, it's always great when you start out with what you think you have and, and to see it develop and certain players develop to the point that they are now. That's uh, gonna be real satisfying as a coach. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, I, li- I like the fact that, uh, you know, Brent, Ben gets most of the uh, publicity because he's the guy spreading the ball around. But, but it's pretty evenly, you know, matched with, with who's touches the ball, you know, how much w- when you get Carter Canoy and Christian Ferguson and, and Ethan Pop. And then obviously Carter McDonald and uh, Brennan Gothard get them in the running game with some jet sweeps. So, uh, you know, just to be able to have that many weapons, it, it makes me feel good that if one goes down, uh, that we we definitely have you know two or three guys there that can that can uh, you know tote the rock and, uh, and and still hopefully keep us in games. I'm very excited for this one on a Friday night here as uh, 5A Open Sectionals. It will be Harrison uh, hosting the Plainfield Quakers, which you'll hear right here on 101.7 The Hammer. Coach Terry Peebles, it is always a pleasure to talk football with you, and I hope we're doing it for. Uh, I don't know. What is, let's just call it through Thanksgiving weekend. That seems like a good I'm just throwing that out there arbitrary, right? If we could just talk all the way through Thanksgiving, that'd be pretty nice, wouldn't it? At this point, just give me one more week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Coach. Appreciate that. Uh, Coach Terry Peebles against Harrison and Plainfield will be our game of the week uh, with a 7 o'clock uh, pregame and a 7.30 kickoff uh, against uh, the Quakers for the Raiders. and. Uh, what is a uh, a solid matchup here? I would say it's the top two teams uh, in that sectional. I know there's these folks that always like to have these things somewhat uh, scaled or, or seated or something like that, but um, I, I want to see the two teams, the two best teams, play each other. Um, so yeah, uh, we're gonna get this one way or the other. I guess it just doesn't matter to me whether or not that was done. Uh, this week or next week. Uh, and then Harrison with a good shot then if uh, Decatur Central uh, gets a W over McCutcheon, which is not a given at all. Uh, but then they would host uh, Decatur Central uh, then the uh, following week. And uh, that one would be for the sectional title. Um, a, a little bit dismayed there and talking with him when he hear about the flu kind of going through. I, everybody's got to deal with their own stuff. I uh, I understand that, but uh, boy, uh, not the not an ideal time to have that. But as Coach pointed out, you know they're very they're very multiple in what they do. They've got a lot of uh, a, a a lot of teams to uh, or a lot of people that can tote the rock, make plays for them. So if they go down one. It's not like they don't have uh, enough guys to uh, somewhat, you know, take over for them, pick up those carries or, or uh, you know, what have you. But like Coach said, you know, five different starters from week two to where they're at right now, and when he put it in perspective of like twenty five percent, kind of, kind of blew my mind. Uh, here's the weird 
Here's the weird thing for me is that, okay, let's say this plays out like this. Harrison plays Plainfield on Friday, and they win. All right, let's say Decatur Central gets that win over McCutcheon. Not saying they're going to, but let's just say for argument's sake. Harrison beats Decatur Central, and then all likelihood takes on a Whiteland team uh, in the uh, regional. That would that would be three teams from the Mid-State Conference in a row. Now, in the semi-state, eh, eh, that's not going It's not going to happen. Can't happen. Um, and I'm getting way, way, way ahead of myself. But I just couldn't help but notice that, that you were talking about going through uh, that many uh, 5A, <laughs> that many of the same conference all, all the way through. Like, that's a little, that's a little bizarre, right? And that's, uh, in, in that conference, that's the only three 5A teams, I believe, too. And what are the odds that you're going to get, that you could be potentially playing three straight games in the sectional against members of the same conference? I mean, even if you divide it up, I mean, it's just, oh, that's tough, man. <laughs> it's kind of weird. But uh, it was a fun little piece of trivia, I thought. And that is, Mid-State Conference is a tough conference. Uh, When we talked about Plainfield being battle-tested, I mean, you know, Whiteland, when it comes to uh, 5A, I believe, weren't they ranked uh, second last time I checked? Yeah, they're second behind Fort Wayne Snyder. Harrison is uh, ranked uh, fifth. Franklin's also in that conference, seven and two. They're ranked, uh, you know, they're ranked eighth. Uh, who else is in there? I think uh, Mooresville was ranked in the uh, 4A for a second there. I know Martinsville was getting some votes. They were ranked uh, until they lost last week to Plainfield. So, yeah, I mean, that's a that's not an easy conference. So, like you said, Plainfield's gotten better. Uh, but I think Harrison has gotten better, too. Uh, I really do. Uh, I think that offense has gotten even better. As long as the defense is clicking like it has been, uh, they're going to be good. The thing that does concern me about that is, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since Harrison has played uh, real meaningful uh, football, right? I mean, there's the Logansport game, which I thought they were, they're much better than Logansport, and that was a rainy night at Logansport. Logansport had a little something to play for, but, I mean, before that, it's Tech, you had Richmond last week. So I just worry. It's been a couple of weeks since the Jeff game where I thought, you know, you really were going to get pushed. So uh, hopefully that uh, hopefully they're on point to get started. It helps this is going to be a home game for them. We've got a break here. We're going to come back. I uh, got uh, Scott, Caitlin, and uh, Stephanie from Purdue Sports. It'll be another busy weekend on campus uh, with all kinds of great sporting events and, and other community events that you're going to be able to attend. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017. Welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. Over to our Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline we go. And, and Scott and Caitlin, Stephanie from Purdue Sports are all on with us here. A, uh, a quiet early part to the week here with Purdue Sports, but a lot of stuff happening this weekend and a lot of fun stuff for the family as well. Guys, excited uh, about everything that's been going on here. we got Thursday. Uh, there's something pretty cool going on with baseball. Tell me about that. 
Yeah, on Thursday, if you're looking for something free to do while our weather is still nice, um, we have the baseball Halloween bash out at Alexander Field. Um, like I said, it is free. There will be a whole lot of candy um, for uh, kids and parents, really, for that matter, to enjoy. Um, our team will scrimmage in Halloween costumes, so our people who are joining us are also encouraged to wear their favorite costumes on Thursday. It starts at 6 p.m., uh, and like I said, we'll be trick-and-treating on the field after the scrimmage. So a lot of fun stuff. All right, well, quick poll question here for the three of you guys. Uh, your, your top Halloween candy, go. Let's hear them. Kit Kat. Oh, you took mine. Uh, three Musketeers. Peanut M&M's. All right. We'll accept all of those. Congratulations. Good job. Nobody said candy corn, and that's why I love you. Oh, all right? I know. Uh, peanut M&M's is a close second to candy corn. Though. I said <laughs> All right. Look, here, wrestling uh, Wrestling is back in action on Friday. Wrestle-offs are coming up. W- w- tell me about wrestle-offs on Friday. Yeah, that's correct. So Friday we'll get a sneak peek at the wrestling season. Um, the guys will be wrestling off against each other on Friday, 6 p.m. in Holloway. That event is free. Um, we're just a couple weeks out from wrestling season, so that's exciting to get a little preview of that. And then moving on Sunday, still in Holloway, um, Volleyball versus Indiana, 1 p.m. It is our Halloween in Holloway, so we're encouraging all fans to wear their costumes. I'll be in costume, mm-hmm. and we'll be giving out candy and uh, just have a fun Halloween match. Nice, and, and wrestle-offs are also in Holloway Gymnasium, right? You can just waltz on in there 6 o'clock on, uh, on, on Friday. That's uh, that's free to attend. That's that's the weekend slate right there. But that doesn't mean there's not extra stuff going on there. I, I know. Are there still some single game basketball tickets available? There are. We had a crazy number of games sell out when we went on sale, but we do have two games left with tickets that you can buy through us. Um, that's our New Orleans game and our Florida A and M game. Um, we have tickets to those, and those tickets start at just twenty five dollars. So um, if you're looking to get men's basketball tickets, those are the two games we have left. And you better do it now because next Wednesday we have the exhibition and, you know, everybody's going to start getting antsy and feel like they need to go and pick up extra tickets. So make sure you do that. If you want to go pick up those tickets for Ben's basketball, how, how do you do that? PurdueSports.com. It's just so easy to do. And, of course, we have women's, and we're going to be talking about women's basketball in a week and a half too. I'm excited about yeah. that, Coach Katie Gerald's company. Uh, are tickets on sale for women's basketball as well? Oh, you betcha. They are on sale and there is plenty to grab while you can. Well, hurry up and do that. I'm just saying you might want to get tickets for the 10th. I hear there's a very handsome uh, man on the PA voice uh, in that game. So make sure you uh, pick up those tickets. Guys, uh, it's always a pleasure talking to the three ins. Uh, Great stuff coming up this weekend. We'll be out there attending. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Boiler up. Boiler up. Always nice having those guys on and uh, putting us up on the things that uh, you could be attending uh, over the uh, rest of the weekend into the weekend. Uh, and since we're talking about Purdue, uh, I, like you guys, on Twitter, were uh, shocked at this video of the uh, biggest teenager I've ever seen. Seven foot six center playing at IMG Academy. Stop me if you heard this one before, but a Canadian who is over seven foot tall at IMG Academy. Um, yeah, we, we've seen this. We've seen this just once. Uh, <laughs> look. It's crazy. He's seven foot six. You watch the highlights and stuff, and I say to myself, dang. That's something, man. Uh, at 16, I, I don't know how in the world that's got to be tough to get your, to go through puberty and get your bearings and your timing and all that kind of stuff right. And at, at that size, 
I, I can't imagine. And then, of course, everybody makes the same joke. Yeah, yeah, Matt Painter's probably all over this guy and stuff. I watched the highlight video. And again, I only know so much about basketball. But I'll tell you this, it seems like, if, if I'm watching it, if I'm being honest, maybe just a little bit slow. I mean, he barely has to jump to get off the, the ground and, and, and dunk it. Uh, it's crazy watching him against, you know, some teenagers who are like, 510. The problem is everything that he's doing here, and he's right around the the rack here. And there, there was one where you, you could tell he's playing against some kid that was probably like 6'5, six, 6'6. Six, six. You just can't do that. That that doesn't translate well to the collegiate game because the guys are gonna get bigger. I don't know. It's tough. It's weird when I see him down low and I'm like, I want him to jump, but then I realize he would smack his face on the uh, on the board here. I mean, a lot of the highlights are just him in the paint and the guard's just tossing it up to him and he's just kind of dunking on dudes. Or just blocking shots real casually. I don't know how that translates. Oh, maybe I need to go back and watch Zach Eady Tate's from back then. The kid can always get faster. You can always get a little bit stronger. Things can change up. But, I mean, he, there's literally nothing with him away from the rim at, at any point. I mean, we get so enamored by this height and stuff, and it's not a given that's going to make you such a tremendous force on the inside. Uh, I, I, hope he does, I hope he does well. If he wants to be a Boilermaker, all right. Google him if you haven't seen him. Olivier? Ryu? Ryu? Uh, it's French, right? R-I-O-U-X. So it's just Rue. Um, but yeah, down there at IMG Academy, like I said, we've seen this, we've seen this story before. Just tell me that he's played hockey and that uh, he was a baseball pitcher and I'm sold, I guess, right? <laughs> but of all the highlights, I'm like, guy doesn't really, there, there's no hook shot at all. I haven't seen a hook shot highlight. That's something you can develop. Don't get me wrong, but he's just doing the same thing around the rim. And I'm like, uh, you're not going to be able to get away with that in the Big Ten. But, uh, you know, seven-footers, Purdue. We go hand-in-hand, don't we? All right, we're going to go ahead and take our final break. We'll come back with some of the things that we missed, and we'll wrap up the Hammer Down Show next on 1017 The Hammer. 1017 The Hammer. Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. You can always listen to the full show and interviews that you miss. You just got to follow us on Twitter or Facebook. We're at 1017thehammer. Uh, you can just search for us and find us on Facebook. Uh, we're also on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts, uh, Audible. Um, yeah, all, all those great places. We got you covered. Uh, if you want to go back and uh, take a listen to anything that you may have missed. Uh, speaking of miss, time for some of the things that we may have missed today. Um, I do want to go back to, we talked about at the top of the show, uh, people still seem to not buy the excuse that the NFL did not put out. They said that official did not get an autograph from Mike Evans after the game. Officials are barred from doing this stuff, unless it's for a charitable purpose, but they have to go through the NFL, to do that kind of stuff. So you're not up running after the game, up a tunnel to get stuff from a player. It looks bad, right? 
On top of that, we have an official who went to the exact same school as Mike Evans. Doesn't look good. And if you watch the video, it looks like they get out, you know how they all have the uh, the index card? Yeah, it looks like he's getting something written down there. And Mike doesn't spend a ton of time writing out anything. They say it's a phone number for golf lessons. But he does move out of frame. It looks like he starts writing. He could have gotten maybe a quick signature in and then walked out of frame. I'm willing to believe, though, that the explanation is somewhat on the level here. First off, Bucks lost the game. Secondly, if you were going to get something autographed, if you are willing to risk your job for an autograph, wouldn't you get that on something else other than an index card? Wouldn't you have something prepared to get that after the game? And let's face it, this excuse is so stupid that it's got to be true. Nobody comes up with this as an excuse. The only mind-blowing thing about this is why the NFL just didn't come clean about it. So, yeah, he did something inappropriate. They knew each other from their time, you know. They didn't go at the same time in Texas Tech, but they both knew uh, that they were graduates of the same. You know, they know each other through work here. Mike had mentioned something about golfing. The official had said, hey, I had lessons from so-and-so. And then after the game, he chased him down and wrote down the number. That makes that makes sense. It's just, it's a... I would forget about it after that. I said, okay, that's fine. It helps that the Buccaneers didn't win the game. Buccaneers win that game, and especially in a close one, a lot of questions and lots more questions. But the more I think about it, the more I ask myself, why are we accusing them of any wrongdoing here when Tampa didn't didn't win the game? Mike Evans had one of the worst drops of his career. Definitely the worst drop of the season. Wide open. He's better than that. Yeah, that surprised me. I'm not, you know me, I'll, I'll buy into a good conspiracy theory here. But it's got to make sense. And the more I look at this one, the more I just say, it don't make any sense. So I'm letting it go. Tennessee Titans have uh, released a video and renderings of what the uh, new stadium uh, could look like. And uh, to be honest with you, I dig it. If you went down for the Music City Bowl and you went in a Nissan Stadium, I mean, did you leave that thing going, wow, that's one of the best stadiums I've ever been in? Did you leave that stadium going, wow, I can't wait to have an excuse to come back to this thing again? Built before 2000. And it's just, it's... Not the easiest thing to park and get to, was it? Yeah, I just... Ugh. And I'm not a fan of spending public money. You've heard me rant on this show before. I don't like spending public money, even though I think it's going to be a record uh, amount of money, to build these things for uh, NFL owners who are already billionaires. And they chip in a fraction of the cost, and then they want the stadium at the end. I think that's ridiculous. But... For the city of Nashville that's really fancying itself lately as a big tourist destination to have a domed facility. Remember, they don't have a, I mean, they they have the Predators, right? 
but that's occupying most winter day, you know, a lot of winter. If you want to have an indoor facility like that, that you can host conventions maybe, that uh, you can host big concerts during the winter, stuff like that, uh, it's perfect for them. They don't have anything like that, and it is not exactly easy to tear down the ice, put in, uh, you know, a big concert stage, and then turn around and, and put that ice back up again uh, like they do for the Predators. Uh, this thing's going to host, uh, what, what does that arena probably hold? 20,000 max. Now we're talking 60,000. It opens things up. You know, and clearly the city of Indianapolis likes to use Lucas Oil for uh, such things in, in big events. And I think Nashville wants to cash in on that. They're already a good tourist destination with a lot of stuff going on now. Uh, if they want to become contenders, and you got to have that dome, I think, to be contenders uh, for Super Bowl. Maybe you want to start hosting Final Four games or NCAA tournament games. This seems like a pretty darn good investment for them. I don't hate this one as much as I do some of the other ones. I just hate the the lack of money that billionaire owners will uh, will chip in to build the things. But I think the city of Nashville is going to get a heck of a lot of good use out of this thing. More so than some other cities that they always tell you this is going to be a great deal for them. It's going to raise all this property value. They're going to put all these expensive stores and stuff around it. It's going to be great. And then you find out those stores really don't do that well, even on game days. That a lot of times they do better on non-game days because people don't like to go down there uh, because they don't want to fight the crowds and the parking and all that stuff. Yeah, Nissan Stadium, it's meh. It's meh at best. They don't necessarily need this new stadium. The team doesn't. But, you know, they shrink it down by like 7,000 seats. You can raise the ticket price. You build your new luxury suites, which is where these teams make all the money anyway. I like the outside terraces. You should check out the pictures. They have like outside terraces on like the, you know, the upper levels. Clear, flat dome, windowed stuff lets in the natural light like they do out in L.A. It looks cool. It really does. And um, for a city, like I said, it's going to be a big tourist destination that wants to be a big tourist destination. It makes all the sense in the world. Uh, and our last thing here, I'm already over hearing about Mattress Mac and the Houston Astros. He stands to win $75 million if the Astros are able to win the World Series. And if they do, that $75 million is basically going to cover all of the furniture and mattresses that he sold through a, uh, a certain period here. So you got So he runs all these furniture stores and stuff, right? And if you buy in a certain time period, uh, you know, and the Astros then win the World Series, your, your stuff is free. If not, you've already paid for it. So what he does is, Basically just takes that money and then puts it on the Astros. The Astros win. Well, he's got all the money then to give back, and he's covered. And he makes some on top of that. If he loses, hey, no no sweat. I mean, it's like basically like just getting these folks to fund his gambling habit. It's crazy. Usually when you do these kind of things, let me give you some inside football here, some inside baseball. 
when you do these things, there's actually companies that are like insurance companies, right? When you win like $10,000, we used to do it with the pass, punt, and kick thing on one of our sister stations a long, long time ago. And you could pay them like a, you know, a flat fee. You're, you're, they'll, they'll give you a ballpark. Like if you want to give away $10,000, maybe you're paying 1000 And then if it hits, they pay out the ten grand. If it doesn't hit, they're keeping your money and they're good. It's the same thing with these type of things. Only Mattress Max cut out the middleman here. And he just takes the money that that puts it on the Astros. Probably doesn't even have to put all of it to cover. It's pretty impressive. It's not a bad idea. $75 million. Part of me wants to root for him, but at the same time, we go through this every year, and I don't like the Astros. I can't root for the Astros. And if I root for Philadelphia, which is equally icky, apparently there's always a, a great financial disaster every time the Phillies win the World Series. Yeesh. Talk about the lesser of two evils here, and I don't even know which one it is. All right, that's going to do it for me here on the uh, Hammer Down Show. Again, if you want to go back and re-listen to this episode, you can always do so by following us on Twitter and Facebook, and also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, uh, Amazon Music. It's all right there for you. We're back tomorrow, 3 o'clock, here with the Hammer Down Show.